Listen to people, learn what you can. Mm-hmm. What is racism and what is just ignorance? If you've got a friend or an ally or somebody in your corner there to support you, amazing. I just can't wait for the day where like, we're no longer pleasantly surprised that someone is like LGBT plus. Ask questions on a personal level do better. Asking pronouns. It was like the moment that I realized I was different. Winning that award topped this year off for me. Because without you, this world wouldn't be the same. Are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? Welcome back to Are You Listening? The Oxfordshire Youth Podcast. Are You Listening? is a podcast for young people by young people to discuss all of the things that they're passionate about. At Oxfordshire Youth, we wanted to make sure that young people had a space to fully express themselves in a way that they felt completely confident about. And that's how this podcast was created. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, my name's Nabila. My pronouns are she, her. Welcome back to Are You Listening podcast. This is the last episode of the activism segment. Thank you so much for listening. So before we go into today's episode, um, there is a trigger warning um, on abortion. If this episode is triggering to any listeners, please listen to our other episodes where we cover many other topics. Before we go into today's episode, I will cover a few terms that will be mentioned throughout. The definition of abortion. The deliberate termination of a human pregnancy, most often performed during the first 28 weeks of pregnancy. The definition of medical racism. Racism in medicine reflects the working lives of doctors from ethnic minority backgrounds and the healthcare experiences of ethnic minority patients. The definition of Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade, 1973. The right to abortion was interpreted by the judges as deriving from the due process clause of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, which prohibits the state from depriving persons of life, liberty or property without fair procedure. The definition of preeclampsia, a condition in pregnancy characterized by high blood pressure, sometimes with fluid retention and proteinuria. The definition of lupus. Lupus is an autoimmune disease. This means the body's natural defense system, immune system, attacks healthy parts of your body. The definition of Mrs. B.B. Begum syndrome. Derived after the common South Asian surnames B.B. and Begum, it refers to an imagined condition where South Asian women are said to exaggerate their health complaints despite showing few objective signs of ill health. The definition of colonization. The action or process of settling among and establishing control over the indigenous people of an area. The definition of gaslighting. To gaslight someone means to manipulate another person into doubting their own perceptions, experiences or understanding of events. Thank you so much for listening to the last episode of the activism segment. I hope you enjoy. Thank you. There's a point that you made. I think it so you were talking about with the government and the other organization that you work with on making it part of like the curriculum you know um the curriculum and such there's definitely a common denominator that i'm seeing about campaigning and um you know really coming together as faustine was talking about as well um on making that part of the curriculum so 
we can see that that campaigning and protesting these are all such important ways of ways of um as as young people they are really important to us because to be honest it feels like it nothing else can be done like unless there is a campaign it won't be spoken about so um yeah i also i wanted to move on to another space of activism which i personally am involved in quite a lot with Help the World Oxford is public demonstrations and protesting. And I know that um, Oxfordshire Youth Strike and XR and such, we have that in common. We, we go out onto the streets, you know. Um, so Mariam, would you like to tell us a bit about Help the World Oxford and our experiences with protesting and public demonstrations and why you think it's why you think it's an important space of activism to you and to the public I think protesting is I feel like has been used throughout history for as a way for the people to have a voice to have power and even that I feel like has been politicised recently with, well, I don't know how long ago it was now, with, um, was it Pretty Patel, trying to restrict protesting rights and basically just trying to stop people from protesting. But uh, as someone who's been involved in a lot of protests, it's really, honestly, the euphoria you get, I think, is incredible when you're out there with other people having your voice heard seeing and recognizing that people understand that you've done something good that you've maybe even if you've just changed one people's one person's opinion or you've um raised awareness and you've brought the issue to like to one person that even is i think an amazing thing i think it's also how and what you do at a process that man's with like, what are you saying? What message are you trying to convey to people? I think that's really important um, because sometimes I feel in protests, things can get lost in translation um, or lost in meaning. Like you can, people can see you and be like, well, I don't know what that was for. You know, I don't understand what, why they're protesting. So I think having a clear message is really important um, and a clear goal. Um, I also find art, I think we were talking about this earlier, different spaces of activism, oh, yeah. art to me is really powerful because it's often with uh, what we see first or what people see first, they'll look at something immediately, something eye-catching, that's something that will make a difference, something they'll be like, you know, what? hold on, what does this say, what does this mean? And that I think can sometimes be even more powerful than words um, because it's just so, especially if it's something really, I, like I went to, where did I go? I went to Tate Modern a couple of months ago, I want to say, I think it was a month ago. And I just saw a really powerful picture and it just stuck in my mind. Like, you know, when you just have a mental picture of something in your mind, I just had a mental picture of it for weeks and weeks and I just realised how impactful art is through activism 
because how these mental images often stay in people's minds they often have a much more lasting effect sometimes words have the same I'm not saying they don't but I think personally that art is very very powerful in conveying and shaping meanings around activism yeah absolutely I agree I've been involved in a lot of sort of art-based activism especially for disability but absolutely the the way that an image will stay with you and words stay with you as well definitely but there's something about the way that an image will stay with you yeah there's something I don't know what it is but it's something so powerful and an image in art and I think I, I just love creating art that actually that has a meaning that represents something or tries to convey something I just find it I find it helps me to channel any anger or frustration I'm feeling about okay well what can I do to help what can I do to change well I can create something I can share it I can spread spread awareness through what I paint through what I draw so I guess in that way it's also a great way to channel your activism yeah it's therapeutic yeah definitely Molly, did you want to start the conversation on intersectional identities within activism? I think that would yeah. be really interesting to talk about within us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's It can sort of add another layer to activism when you have sort of different identities within one space so for an, for example a white woman would experience um, feminism in a much different way than women of color or lgbt women or disabled women and it's sort of the working towards intersectionality and how that sort of exists within yourself and sort of making a home for yourself within activist spaces mm-hmm. nor i was wondering if you had any any thoughts on this I think the environmental space, or certainly the one I've, I'm in, is very exclusive. Um, it tends into environmentalism. There's a big problem with it kind of being middle class white people. Um, and of course, that's only in this country. Um, around the world, there are some incredible activists, like the ones in Latin America, who like risk their lives. They're incredible. So in terms of like within the environmental movement, it's about kind of looking where the environmentalists kind of are um who are kind of experiencing different things and, and incorporating that sort of w- in what we're doing in oxford so um we've spoken so like within fridays for future there are so many groups around the world so we often it tends to not be within our own group but it tends to be in terms of interacting with other groups that intersectionality comes in and so much of what we do is based on decisions made in other countries so are things like our strike themes and um our hashtags and our graphic design are all done by activists deliberately not in sort of kind of mainly white countries um, or groups that have kind of really imbalanced gender uh, representation um, to make sure that even the groups who aren't representative of maybe their communities are presenting a message that's representative of like the global community. That's really cool. I I guess it's sort of trying to find a way to make um, sustainability accessible to everyone and I've seen such sort of great strides especially in the past few years of making it 
more affordable for everyday people and more accessible to the working class and to disabled people and that's that's super important sort of considering how your activism impacts on other groups and yeah i've seen some some great progress in that especially within the environmental movement another topic that i wanted to talk about was roe v wade and how the what's happening in america could particularly affect intersectional um people with uteruses and for example we were talking about um people who for example may not be able to afford the right care in um in an abortion as such if we could talk about the identities of people which are being affected by the laws such as um roe v wade it's often with these policies it's often women of color and people well, people of color and people of lower class backgrounds who affected the most because they don't have the resources and they don't have the privileges that white middle class people do um like say like you were talking about roe v wade um say if a middle class person wanted to get an abortion easily you know could fly to a country where it's legal get it done dusted no problem whereas someone say from a lower class poor background who may not have that privilege would suffer more and it's kind of it does give you know this a dystopian view of the world currently and it kind of does feel like we've just traveled 100 years back in time if you look at it in the past you know women had to suffer a lot to get abortions in the past they had to go through to incredible lengths lots of pain and it was often the lower working class people who had who suffered the most and who'd often die from these traumatic surgeries and operations they had to have these abortions so it does kind of feel like we've just traveled back in time to the past and made it even more difficult for people to access a basic right and choice regardless of what your beliefs are what Marion was saying is like really spot on and i feel the same i think all these policies like in general for everyone you can't in my view you can't stop an abortion happening like the only avenue you're forcing people to have is to is to do it unsafely but i think with this policy it's going to hit particularly black women the most because it's already quite dangerous for black women to give birth i think the statistic is probably three to four times more likely to die whilst giving birth so it's already a very dangerous thing for us to have to do um, and now you're kind of adding this factor on top of it. It's just making things very, very dangerous. And I, I really do worry um, for our community. And I think that's why intersectionality is a really important lens to see all issues through. Like this issue has a racial element and we can't we can't pretend it's not there and that it doesn't happen because it is it is very real. Um, so I think that's what I'd add. Thank you. No, that's perfect. Um, actually, for soon, if if you feel comfortable could you um maybe educate i know for myself i would like to like know more on how women of color particularly black women in um the medical field how the the discrimination against black women in hospitals in hospital environments as such if you could if you wanted to talk a little bit more about that because i would like to know more but only if you feel comfortable of course 
Yeah, sure. Um, you're definitely putting my knowledge to the test here, Nabila. <laughs> um, so, in I, I'm not going to say specific dates just because I can't remember everything off the top of my head, but I'll just try and explain a little bit from my from my side. So during periods of um, slavery, there were different doctors who would like practice things on enslaved people, obviously with no anesthesia, like nothing was used for pain relief. And a really common trope that came out of this was that black black people, but particularly black women have thicker skin, so feel no pain, which is obviously a very racist and untrue trope. Um, and this has unfortunately led even in, in the 21st century to women being denied um, pain relief whilst in hospital. And there's still like avenues that people aren't sure about. So there's something called preeclampsia, which black women and also South Asian women are more likely to get whilst giving birth. And no one's really figured out why that is, but it's just something that has been kind of like an issue for like several, several decades. So those are two things I'd say are the important things to consider when talking about um, childbirth and black women kind of makes sense that like these racist tropes basically started and have just never really stopped since then. Can I add something? Yes, Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I feel like medical bias against um, black and brown women is so overlooked. Like I was, um, I stumbled across something the other week. Um, it's called um, Miss, I think it's called Mrs. Big and BB syndrome. And it's to do with, yeah, it's to do with South Asian women and how often they are gaslighted or they're ignored by medical professionals because um, they have this trope that they or they complain a lot or they make up things. So if sometimes most most of the time they'll have real conditions that are just overlooked by medical professionals and they're seen as just making it making it up or just lying because oh that's just them they're just dramatic. And alongside that, there's such a lack of research into black and brown people and the conditions we have and the problems we face because of, you know, because of colonisation. Like, for instance, I read another article about how um, South Asian people find it harder to build muscle because our bodies have been programmed to famine and starvation because of the, the amount of famines our ancestors face. So we've been programmed to store food and store fat, um, which is crazy if you think about it, that colonisation is still affecting our bodies to this day. Um, and just in, in regards to, yeah, like I said, the conditions that affect black and brown people are just it's just overlooked there's not enough medical research done into the conditions and the problems we face like Faustine was talking about preeclampsia um no one knows why it happens no one really cares because well it's not affecting white people so why should we care and I think that medical bias is, is such a problem and it's so overlooked like we I don't we don't really talk about it because I feel like the medical field is somewhere we just tend to stay away from and we don't realise the amount of issues and the racial biases and prejudices that are present in, in the medical world. Yeah, I've noticed, um, I study a lot of um, science and medicine, and I've noticed, and I know that other people have as well, this sort of 
horrible trend of a lot of medical textbooks only show conditions on white skin so yeah so there's such a lack of sort of education that even a doctor with the best will in the world has no idea what this particular sort of rash looks like on darker skin they struggle to identify bruises because they've never seen them on a darker skin tone so even with the like i said with the best will in the world no doctor has been educated on this sort of thing and that's terrifying it is scary i i i've experienced it firsthand when i so i have lupus and when i it was a struggle getting diagnosed because because i would constantly just be gaslighted and ignored like oh she's just being dramatic or she's just being a teenager you know she's just being lazy there's nothing really wrong with her um and lupus is a condition that is prominently affects um i think black and brown women and you just experience that it's this racial bias like i think experienced the mrs bb begum syndrome firsthand and it's it is scary it is scary thank you for steen and mario for sharing that um I definitely learn a lot that I think a lot of us have as well. Yeah, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. It's It's been amazing chatting to all of you. We've learned a lot and I'm, I'm very pleased to have gotten the chance to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank like... you for being here and for <laughs> listening. <laughs> oh, thank you, um, Marion Faustine and Noor for being here. We appreciate it a lot. Thank you so much to listening to this episode of Are You Listening? This brings the end of the activism segment. Um, so in this episode, we covered really important topics such as medical racism and terms such as colonisation. Please do listen out to our next episodes of Are You Listening? And I encourage you to listen back to the other episodes of the activism segment. This episode meant a lot to me and um, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Are You Listening? Make sure you subscribe, whether you're on Anchor, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And also make sure you're following us on social media as well. At Oxfordshire Youth on Instagram and TikTok and at Youth on Twitter.